Don't you wanna die happy with a smile on your face? Wake up a laughing, <laughs> cause you're free of all the things that would hold you from your ocean view. Life's a landscape, why don't you bathe in your way? Hi, Tatiana. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to our humble abode. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thanks for coming. I, I was thinking about how long ago it was you contacted us. It was a while ago, wasn't it? Yeah, probably around three months or something. Yeah, sorry it's mm. taken us so long to, to make this happen. <laughs> I don't know. Well, Bali busy life, no? Well, we... And Bali also, time. <laughs> yeah, we're just recording a lot of, of interviews as well. So, uh, um, but I suppose it's worth as... as just sharing with the audience how you happened upon us and 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 because you you got in touch and left a, a series of messages for us on Instagram and they were audio messages which was quite unusual uh, but also you because uh, is it 60 seconds you get with an Instagram yeah uh, yeah so <laughs> this is the thing so so Tatiana had to uh, leave some messages for us in these little 60 second tranches I think there were five or six and you managed to kind of condense uh, your story of transformation <laughs> into six minutes, <laughs> into six minutes uh, which was incredibly impressive. But it was also a very compelling story that you told and essentially said that you wanted to come on the show and have a conversation with us. So we are delighted to have you. Mm -hmm. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> I don't know where we ought to begin. Uh, I suppose... Like many of the guests we have on the show, you you do have a true story of transformation. When do you think it began for you? Oh, that's a good question. When did it begin? Hmm. I sent you a message because I was very inspired by your podcast. And by the title, it just spoke to me right away because <clears throat> I went to cancer therapy twice. And but I feel like that's not that wasn't the beginning, you know, like it wasn't the beginning. That was the moment when I decided that I wanted to live. But before that, you know, that that's actually the interesting thing. I got cancer and I had two days of. Yeah, severe. <laughs> intense, crazy emotions and drama. And then I decided this is going to be a success story. This is going to be the best thing that happened to me. That might sound crazy, but it just inspired myself to, to, to make that choice. I'm going to survive, not just survive, I'm going to thrive. I'm going to change my life. So that's not when the story begins because <laughs> there were many, many, many years of yeah, difficulties, challenges, and probably it probably all started when I was around 14 and a long story of illness began. Like I, I had all kinds of sicknesses, everything from from chronic sinusitis over histamine intolerance over other gut problems up to having the cancer, the breast cancer, um, many and many other things. Like really all, 
energy centers, the whole body was constantly telling me, you are on the wrong path. Like you are not choosing life. You are not choosing trust. You are choosing out of fear. I didn't know better, right? <laughs> I think that's, that's something I had to learn along that transformation, that to forgive myself for all the things that, that I have done to my body, um, also in my relationships to other people, you know, that I regret a lot. But if I keep holding on to the regret, I will continue I will continue to make choices based on fear. I will recreate the relationship, like difficult relationships. I will, um, or I would, because I will not, <laughs> I, I would um, continue to be unhappy and not really choosing life. Yeah. And maybe I would like to add something that I haven't shared online before, and that is that on top of all of these illnesses, I think the um, the main factor of all or that brings everything together is addiction. We've talked about it briefly before. Addiction in a broader sense, you know, like we can look at all the addictions. For me, what what is the core is is an addiction to to stress, maybe, you know. Mm. To recreate stressful situations, to recreate situations in which our nervous system is imbalanced. Because It feels amazing, <laughs> at least for, for for a while, right? It feels amazing to just um, have this rush. It doesn't matter if it's the alcohol or if it's um, maybe also toxic relationships, codependency. Um, yeah, whatever it is, work, well, big one. That was a big one for me. Um, it all creates this feeling of, um, yeah, of connection in a way and I wanted that and the cancer made me realize this yeah, yeah. And, I, and now I find it in a different way <laughs> just to like close this yeah circle. no no mm -hmm. uh, thanks thanks for that share uh, there's quite a lot to unpack there isn't there <clears throat> I think we talk about addiction quite a lot on the show because I'm a recovered addict so and I fundamentally believe as do you I think that there are a great many more addicts on the planet than care to admit. Yeah. And we actually just talked about that in a recent episode with uh, Dr. Adi Jaffe, uh, who's an addiction psychologist, about the, the huge percentage of, of people who are suffering from addiction, some form of addiction, uh, who never seek treatment. And it's something like... 90% isn't it mm. I think it was higher he said it's it's recently figured out that it's a much higher percentage mm. so you but you've only by that rationale broadly got 10% of people who are who accept that they are suffering from a mental illness who seek help and we were saying this the other day you know can you can you imagine if if that was cancer for example mm. so imagine if 90% of people who who had a, the legitimate illness cancer said, no, I'm not going to go and get treatment. Mm. The world would be up in arms, wouldn't it? Mm -hmm. Yet we have this bizarre stigma yeah. and um, dehumanization of addiction. All the while, a great many of us 
are suffering from addiction, addictive traits. And I, I think that's why I'm more than happy to talk about it on any, on any episode because this applies to everybody. You, yeah. you know, we, we're not talking about using hard drugs here or or drinking, you know, a bottle of vodka a night. That's that's not necessarily what addiction is. You could be uh, you could be addicted to cake. You could be addicted to pornography. You could be addicted to technology. Constantly picking up the phone, checking those Instagram likes for those little dopamine fixes. Um, and then you, as you as you alluded, you can also be addicted to drama. Mm. But as a society, we're not given the tools to understand that these are addictions. So not it's labelled as addiction is just substances, mm. and it's got a really negative connotation. It yeah. has, and we kind of really need to flip that around and allow people to see that addiction is such a natural part of the human experience. And we need to start recognizing, recognizing it within ourselves and within society, and and how we can help people. And yeah, and and also being less judgmental about mm-hmm. it. But I think it's I think it's a combination of being judgmental and also being fearful that you would be judged if you identified as someone with one of those problems, right? Also, very interesting is for me, I could say, I'm like. I'm still an addict in a way, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, my mind still has the urge <laughs> to create the drama, to control, mm. because ultimately that's what I want, right? I want to control a lot of things in my life. It's it's natural that we want that. We want things to go our way, mm-hmm. but we can learn how to deal with it in a different way. And we can, we also just talked about it, find a balance between surrender and um, and control in a way, right? Because yeah. we have free will. But if we always want things our way, we will always stay cho- little children. Well, as <laughs> yeah. the Buddha said, suffering is the root or no, attachment is the root to all suffering. Mm. I'm always misquoting the Buddha on this show. <laughs> 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 Sorry, Buddha. Um, uh, but I love to talk about attachment mm. because I... I had a similar lifestyle. I was I was attached to everything around me uh, in possessive terms. I was clearly suffering from narcissistic personality personality disorder. I, due to my childhood, my mum was an alcoholic, um, so I lacked uh, intimacy, and um, a lot of those fundamental family um, wonderful things about family that that that. That, that, that inform the, the early years of your life. So control was everything for me, absolutely everything. If I did not have control over my environment, either physical or emotional, I became incredibly nervous. Mm. Um, and of course, trying therefore to control one's environment, uh, we don't realize, is, is doubly unhealthy. We can't do it. We, we ought not to do it. We ought not do it, but also... We are then attached to an outcome, aren't we? Mm-hmm. And as the Buddha was saying before I m- misquoted him, uh, if we are attached to an outcome constantly, then we are, we're going to be disappointed constantly. Yeah. And that's where we, where we suffer. But I was interested in your point about drama addiction. It's, it's, um, it's something I think a lot of people don't necessarily consider, but stress and drama, of course, creates chemical reactions in our body. Mm. And we can become addicted to that feeling. And I had this, exactly the same thing. It was workaholism or it was some sort of drama. I needed to be in fight or flight. Mm-hmm. And I, I suppose that's what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like self-harm. It, for me, it was really harming me. And 
a part of me wanted that. A part of me wanted to harm me, to like, when I did something wrong, when I wasn't good enough, you know, this feeling mm. came a lot, up a lot. Old, old, old patterns that I'm aware of now. So when I, when now I see this pattern come up and I feel that I'm not good enough, then I look at it and I go through it. But this is, this is the key, right? Like I used to not be able to do that. And then drinking or, yeah, or overeating or working too much. And it just helped me to not look at it yeah. <laughs> and to harm mm -hmm. myself. Yeah, to yeah. harm myself. Um, so, so yeah, turning that around and, and starting to love yourself, it goes deep. And I, I must say that if you, if you have cancer or if you've had cancer, the, the patterns go so deep. There are so many. So you can only unfold one at a time. You, can, you cannot solve everything. And so it's a process. And we all have our stories, right? And we all have this process of transformation. I would really, I think almost everybody goes through this process. The courageous people, they, because um, it's, it's a natural desire of people to grow. Um, but yeah, it, um, it's just, it's a, pro it's a process and I'm still in it and I will be in it for the rest of my life. And I am totally okay with that because this is making me a better person. So for me, everything that happens from now is grounded in my past. So it makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I can accept it and forgive myself and start over and, um, and sometimes I can't forgive myself and then I go back and I forgive myself again and I start over again because personal development processes are not linear. It's just no, takes not. time. And I really want to normalize this. That's why I'm saying this because so many coaches out there feel like they have to be perfect, but it's a journey of self-acceptance and self-love and we all do it and we can do it together and that's a beauty yeah and everything's a spiral isn't it you go up yeah. a little bit we come back down <laughs> we go up then we come down and it's you have to accept closer that. to the pain further away from the pain yeah. and mm. so on and so forth but i yeah i love what you said there i and i think there's um i guess it's it's almost in danger of sounding like a cliche these days but but it's still immensely relevant and and more people ought to be having this conversation about the stigma of mental health mm. because so many people are ashamed of of their their um, mental illness or shortcomings or you know when i say mental illness by the way you know i'm not talking this is for the audience's sake i'm not talking about necessarily someone who's locked up in a in a in a, a sanitarium like uh, one flew over a cuckoo's nest you know y y there are varying degrees of mental illnesses that many of us suffer right um but i think there's there's still a, a huge stigma attached to it that we must constantly try to bash down or or to encourage down in a loving way you know uh, because until we have a, a situation where everyone is is more than willing to talk about these things and perhaps you know be as vulnerable as you're being right now on this podcast and we're, we're, we're conversing with each other right now you know, we, I guess we're, we live in a bit of a bubble in Bali, in mm. which is there are an awful lot of people who have come to Bali seeking healing, uh, been embraced by the, the land, 
and by the magic and the magical energy of the place. And so it's not uncommon for you to meet a total stranger in Bali and within three minutes, <laughs> boom, <laughs> they know everything. <laughs> You've told them everything and they've told you everything. It's yeah. not a one-way, uh, you know, emotional burp, is it? It's a, it's, a, it's a really fascinating, vulnerable and authentic way to exchange with one another. Anyway, sorry, I rambled. No, but that creates deep intimacy, and I really don't and connection, and mm. this is what we all want, and that's why we are drinking and overeating and doing all of these things and creating drama because what we actually want is this intimacy and connection, and that's why I really, I mean, I really sometimes feel like we're spread, we are starting a fire here in Bali, and it's spreading all over the world because mm. it's a fire of love and connection and intimacy and authenticity, and. Um, Not in a way that we have to show off, you know, like what we went through, but really just making it normal. Yeah, <laughs> making it, it normal. Yeah, yeah. it was normalizing, and you know? certainly personally speaking, that's why we do this podcast. I, I want to share some stories and utilities with mm. people. I want to be able to say, look, a few years ago, I was staring down the barrel of a loaded shotgun. I was that close to blowing my brains out. And now I, I live here with my beautiful queen, the sun's shining, we, we're we have abundance mm -hmm. of, of all manner of things. Uh, we, we live in a relatively peaceful and harmonious life and we're very lucky and, I, and I, I just want people to, I want people to have that same opportunity through perhaps considering some of the modalities and philosophies and concepts that, that are regularly discussed on this show. With that in mind, I wanted to ask you about your cancer. Do you believe your cancer was inherited or do you believe that you created it yourself through the way you were living and the way you were processing and holding on to your emotions, you, in, embodying in somatic terms? Yeah, I, I truly believe that it's... Uh... So first, I want to say I believe it's different for everybody. Mm. And this is what I have experienced um through my clients you know because i i go into their minds with them looking at root causes for illnesses not necessarily right now because i've been working less with cancer patients but i worked for three years with a lot of cancer patients and everybody has a different um reason i believe <laughs> because you asked me for the reason right I believe in intention. I think we get sick because there is a deep intention behind it. At least for me, this is true. You know, I, the drama addiction. <laughs> And that's why I talk about this so openly, because I really think it's so connected with the cancer. I unintentionally unintentionally or unconsciously I unconsciously followed that that pattern in my mind that was telling me that I wasn't good enough I wasn't good enough I wasn't good enough I wasn't good enough and I'm I'm just pretending to be good enough in everything I was doing I was a mom of three children. I, you know, I studied, I studied. I married very early at the age of 24. 
uh, at, at the age of 23, uh, 24, I got pregnant. I studied with the children. I um, made it work. We were working, we were studying, we had the children. Then I started, I used to be a coach over 12 years ago. I used to be a coach, a personal coach. I studied sports and then uh, everything shifted and um, I had to sell my company and I studied business. And while I was studying business, I had the children. And then I ended up in a huge, in like one of the biggest banks in Germany, which was totally not what I had envisioned out of fear <laughs> because, because I had two children and I had to provide for them. And um, internally, I just felt like, okay, I have to do all of these things instead of following what my heart was telling me, which was to, to walk a different path and to take care of myself more. At that time, after having two children, my body was in such a bad shape. I was so depleted. I was drinking a lot. I was overworking all the time. I was the best mom at home, organizing everything, parties, um, meeting people, doing what my husband wants from me. I was in a toxic relationship and Five years ago, I knew I cannot do this. Like, I have to stop. And the voices were so loud. And I told you before, I was sick, you know, like literally mostly all the time since the age of 14. My body was screaming, take care of yourself, love yourself, <laughs> stop. You don't have to do, 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 do to be good enough. Just breathe, stop. Life has your back. But I just didn't know how that feels. That's why I created all of this, you know? Like just, I was just in this doing mindset. And um, that's when I got the cancer. And I had the third child um, decided to, hey, you know, like three children are not enough. Let's do a master's in <laughs> business <laughs> education and coaching because I, w I knew I wanted to go back and coach again. Um, and the mental training, you know, like the life coach certificate, all of that. But um, I got the cancer in my last semester and, and then I decided to not finish my master because I was like, no, that's enough. I've had so many messages, <laughs> mm -hmm. but I still wasn't ready to go. Like I wasn't ready to leave my, my ex-husband. I felt like it wasn't possible, all of that, you know, like the society, everything that we build up, all the, 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 all the patterns. And it all started with this feeling that I'm not good enough, you know, all. So I truly believe that the cancer is, we have the patterns, but the patterns alone, they don't create the cancer. Following the patterns, following the thoughts, creating a life based on these thoughts that are fear-based. That creates the cancer. And going back to the root, it's, it is often this root, the feeling that we are not good enough, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, um, but yeah, but it shows itself in different ways. And for me, um, I had to find a way to feel good enough. And I found it through spirituality, through connection to a power that is greater than myself. For me, that is life. I see life, life force. 
as my power that is greater than me because it also um, entails, is that the right word? <laughs> like contains yeah. um, the, the destruction part because life is not just all happiness and great. It's shadow and light and my higher power. I need it to have a higher power that is balanced and it really helps me to have a very deep, deep connection with life mm. every day. And I see it everywhere. I see it in you. I see it in, in groups and people. I see it in nature. I even see it in technology because all is life. Mm -hmm. And by life, I am held. That gives me such a strength. One that I, I can always go back to that, even if um, I get disappointed, <laughs> you know, seeing that it all makes sense in the end. But disappointment is a natural part of living as well, isn't it? I think I, I had a conversation not too long ago with a, an incredible human being who we were talking about happiness. And he said, you know, I've always been very suspicious of happy people. <laughs> yeah. And uh, which, is a, which is a lovely thing to say. But, but then I felt the, the, the need for, to, for us to delve into what happiness is, what happy means, because I think, yeah, I mean, I, I think I would be mistrusting of, of someone who just walked around smiling like an idiot all the time. I, I, <laughs> I, but, but that's not what we mean, is it? No. When we talk about what it is to be happy. And I was having this conversation with Jules the other day. I, I think <clears throat> when you can get to the point where you are not attached to things, you can be connected without being attached. So you surrender, as you were saying, surrender to the flow. So, and you don't suffer through that surrendering. You, you flow. You find a sense of happiness. But then you have to be mindful not to become attached to that mm. sense of happiness mm -hmm. as well. So, I, I, for me, anyway, personally speaking, it's 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 a a delicate dance of awareness and observation on a on a daily, hourly, you know, min minutely basis. Um, Although I've not been that mindful in the last 24 hours because of some recent events that have occurred. But and an honest, an honest acceptance of every exactly. day of where you're at and how you're feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I think totally. without that acceptance, without that honesty, you're just kind of, you're just pushing it down there, aren't you? And that's what then can create and manifest other things. Well, you're not being authentic, are you? That's mm -hmm. the thing. And I think so it's something because I've sort of started to become, you know, the happy guy on the, on the, on the, on the happy podcast. Yeah. I think. Uh, it's it's an important point to make to 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 people. You know, I'm not always happy, but I am always happy. <laughs> yeah, for, it's like contentment, a deep contentment. Yeah. No, like it's like peace. Peace. Yeah, I love peace. Mm. Acceptance and gratitude. Practicing acceptance and gratitude. And and I I just recently felt like. I went to the next level with this, like inside, you know, not, not outside, but like this feeling of deep contentment, even when everything around me is just falling apart. But it also, I mean, we're in the How to Die Happy podcast, right? So I feel like this is important to say for me with the acceptance of death a lot of happiness came into my life. Like when I 
got the cancer and I was going through chemo. I did 16 chemotherapies over six months. That was so intense. Mm -hmm. But I made it my challenge to to accept, uh, to focus on acceptance and gratitude throughout the whole process. And I was actually, in comparison to day-to-day -day life, easy. Mm. <laughs> Because when we have a challenge, it's easier to focus, you know, in the day-to-day. -day, sometimes, you know, you just focus on everything else. But staying in this in this space of um, peace, deep yeah, for me it's also neutrality in a way, you know, in between yin and yang, oneness whatever you want to call it, theta states. Well, it's, it's, it's a wonderful perspective to have because many people would not have that perspective. Many people naturally would fall back on their sense of suffering. And that's another thing we're addicted to, by the way, <laughs> isn't it? You know, we are addicted mm. to suffering. We, 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 we love it. We, 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 some of us feel a little bit lost if we've got nothing to complain about. And, um, and if we've nothing to complain about, then we'll create a situation where we can then put, therefore complain. Yeah. But again, that's in it. That's in a effort to get connection, isn't it? For connection <gasps> yeah. And, yeah. and I suppose um, attention. So yeah. if that is the intention, how can we get it anyways? You know, that's, mm -hmm. that's what I keep asking myself and clients and other people. How can, like, if we are 100% honest to ourselves, <laughs> when we are sick or whenever and we know we want something we want suffering sometimes i want suffering and now i'm more aware of it and you know what i do then i do a kundalini yoga kriya yeah <laughs> <laughs> because and if 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 we don't challenge ourselves life will challenge us mm -hmm. so we can actually figure out what our intentions are and live in a more intentional life and then give us what we need also the shadows Also the dark sides, because it's a part of us. Mm -hmm. So that's why I think, you know, like happiness, it has to contain, it has to contain this part. There's yeah. all these shadows, the mm -hmm. darkness and accepting that and having fun with it. <laughs> I, having fun with it. That, I think this, that's the point, isn't it? The word acceptance. And um, I've said this several times on this podcast, but there's a chap called Alan Watts who wrote a book called The Meaning of Happiness and the original title of the book was The Anatomy of Acceptance mm. uh, which I thought was beautiful but the publishers obviously changed it and um, so we like to talk about acceptance a lot on this on this show because I think that's that is very much part of the root of of, of happiness is mm. to be able to accept anything and everything that life throws at you As I was writing the other day about this, and I found myself writing about the alchemy that comes with a lifestyle where you are at peace with everything that comes that gets thrown at you. Don't get me wrong; something gets thrown at you. You can. It's perfectly human to lose your shit in the in the yeah. the, the five, ten, fifteen minutes around that event. We are human. But actually, if you can then very quickly rise to a higher seat of consciousness, observe yourself, observe your words, thoughts, and actions without judgment, there's, a, there's an alchemy that occurs, in my experience anyway. And it's, it's an alchemy inside my, my mind and body. Yeah. But it's also an external alchemy because the 
energy around me, the universe, if you like, around me, responds well to that. Mm. Ah, well done. You appear to be accepting things. Yeah, well, you know, I'm working on it. Yeah, well, carry on. I, I think uh, we'll probably just deliver you a little bit of peace for, for a while then <laughs> because you appear to have picked up a lesson or two there. Well, yeah, I think I have, but obviously it's all spirals, isn't it? Yes, it is spirals, but how's about you have a little bit of peace and quiet for the next couple of months? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Mm. yeah. It might sound a little bit insane. It might sound very insane to people listening, but there is there is an alchemy to it, and I can't... It's, it's a metaphysical alchemy. It cannot be explained. Yeah. It's to do with our connection. You use the word connection. Beautiful. It's an experience, too. No? Yeah. We have to experience it to know... What we are talking about right now, we have to experience it. Yes, it's not a it's not an intellectual knowing. It's a it's a knowing knowing, and mm-hmm. it's quite difficult to articulate to to people. But I you uh, we were talking about the Matrix recently. You know the movie, and I, I the expression I use to 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 describe this alchemy is bending the Matrix. Mm. Uh, Neo is suddenly able to flex with the system to 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 work with it in a whole different way and that's kind of how i feel when when i'm in flow you know mm-hmm. like really in flow so i don't really feel in flow at the moment because we, we're but again you go that's you go in and out of flow like there's the ebb and the flow so yeah. you know obviously we would like to try and stay within that space but as you said we're human so sometimes you you come out of that space and you need to Take a breath and use the utilities that you've been learning along the way to help you stay in that space for a little bit longer. And then you can, every yeah. time, you might be like, oh, I, I mm. went there a little bit longer this Absol- time. Absolutely. We had a situation last night where a guy on a scooter, we were in the car, a foreigner on a scooter just cut us up, just stopped right in front of us, and we nearly killed him. Wow. And uh, his bike got caught on the bumper and it tore some of the bumper off. Oh, my God. And I bumped him because obviously he was stuck to he was stuck to the car at that point. And we nearly killed this guy. And I have, oh, honestly, I've been in a lot of scrapes in my life, but this was a shocker, wasn't it? Mm. And so, I, you know, I was shocked, worried that I was going to kill this guy because he careered off the road, didn't he? But then he managed to get back and... and and I was angry because he started to ride off. And then I shouted, wait, 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 wait. I need your insurance details. And, and he came back and he just gave us a load of attitude. <laughs> but he sort of he tried to put the blame on you. He did. And, and I was really trying to keep myself <laughs> together. But then he gave me, and it was, it was lay the blame on me, but also with a load of male bravado, you know. Mm. And uh, I, I, honestly, I nearly hit him. I nearly knocked him off his bike, and it's the f- and it's the closest I've come to a, an act of violence in years. I used to be quite a violent man, and so that's that's what I'm referring to in terms of you know kind of being a little bit out of kilter <laughs> the last 24 hours. But you were also both of you were well, we all were in shock. Mm. So that just completely triggers a different emotional release, and it's an emotion it's that you've not you've not felt for quite a long time. Mm. So you've not you're not kind of in that space that practice of being able to take yourself out of that and just take a moment. Yeah, it's a very di- well it's a very difficult thing to replicate in practice, isn't it? Yeah. I think that sort of feeling. All that said, he's sitting there saying, "Well, it's in, it's barley, what are you going to do? I haven't got any insurance, I haven't got any money, so I'm not paying for your car." <laughs> and <laughs> and I something happened in me where I suddenly just stepped back 
took a breath, and I just said, are you all right? <laughs> and he went, I'm all right. Are you all right? <laughs> you know, he's, the, this kind of weird attitude. I said, I'm in the, the one-ton car. I'm all right. You're on a scooter. Are you all right, buddy? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm all right. Thanks, thanks. I am okay. All right, good, because we nearly killed you then, and I'm just glad we didn't kill you. So if you haven't got any money and you haven't got any insurance, fair enough. And I shook his hand and I said, I'll pay for the damage. Just please slow down. Mm. And so I'm replaying this for this conversation because that's progress. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. For me, Martin, the man on the mend, who, you know, many people who've known me over years and there's no way Martin version 1.0 would have done that five years ago. I would have bitten him. I would have bitten pieces of him and he would have been on the road injured regardless of, of the car accident. Um, so it was a strange experience, a lesson, another, another beautiful lesson. Um, but I guess that's what I mean about being unhappy and happy at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Pretty good example. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ha, 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 happy. I'd love to come back a little bit into your story. Um, obviously, you were telling us about um, you, you had cancer, you had the treatment for cancer, and also that moment where you you decided, I want to live. Like, I'm assuming that that's all kind of comes together when you had that point and that realization. And I'd love it if you could talk a little bit more about about that. Yeah, I tapped into it a little bit before that the realization came pretty pretty fast <laughs> when I got the diagnosis. Um, I was really in shock because I was 31. I had three children, and in my mind, I was living a healthy life. A part of me deep inside, I knew I wasn't, but uh, but I projected that. You know, I was projecting that for so many years. People never saw me drink. (laughs) I was the healthy yoga, meditation, uh, you know, like I studied sports, doing sports, having the beautiful family, having kids, working, having a crazy career, all of that. That's who I was. And a part of me believed the story. Um, So that part, and in the moment I got the diagnosis, was completely shocked. I was like, I'm 31, how can I have cancer? Like... Nobody has cancer at 31, and I also didn't know that the chances of surviving breast cancer are quite high. Um, At that time, for me, that was a death sentence. So really the first moment, oh my God, I'm going to die. But I'm so young, I have so many things I want to do. And then I, I just allow myself everything, to feel everything, not numb myself. lie on the floor like a little child screaming with my hands like, I was like I send everybody away <laughs> because I was really letting loose feeling all the emotions all the frustrations of the many years coming back more and more to to my truth and to um to my true authentic self to that part of me that I shoved away because I was projecting something else you know so I was trying to in these two days, I was really looking at that. Tatiana, that was unhappy and doing things that she didn't want to do. 
and not following her through truth. And that Tatiana, my soul, <laughs> my soul was already on her way out of my body, you know, like she was, she was like, damn, like, if you don't treat your body well, how can I survive in this? Mm. How can I, you know, like if you treat my, me, the body, the mind, if you treat us that badly, I have to go because I can't do this anymore. And then I connected with my soul for the first time in many years. And, uh, and I just felt that I'm not ready. Like <laughs> I can change. I can turn this around. I can take care of myself. And I knew it will not be easy. Will not be easy. And there will be a lot of things that I have to change that I don't want to change. And I wasn't aware yet what it was, like the relationship. I wasn't aware. I wasn't conscious about it. I just knew I can do it. I will do it. And I made the choice. I want to live. I will live. And I will not just live any life. I will have a really good, amazing life. As good as, as, good as, as it gets, you know. But in that moment, I accepted that this good, amazing life might be an imperfect life. But with good and amazing, I mean what we just talked about, you know, happiness in a different way. Mm. <laughs> Because the imper accepting the imperfect life creates the most amazing life. <laughs> Doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. So I accepted that imperfection, or at least I started accepting it. And um, I'm still learning to accept the imperfection of life more and more because I've I just um, lately had to make a very hard choice uh, and sometimes we make choices between bad and worse um, but making that choice empowered me and made me realize okay it began there it began in these first two days of my cancer therapy and it's still continuing and now I have to do the work and now I have to be confident and tr trusting myself, my soul, myself, this higher version of me, you know, and mm. listen to that, making choices, not waiting until life chooses for me. Mm. No, I, I said this on another episode recently, what you're not, what you're not changing, you are choosing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And choice and free will in my opinion, are two superpowers that we all have, yet they are so broadly overlooked mm -hmm. as such. I did. I overlooked them for a long, long time. I, I, it never occurred to me how empowering it is to take control of your own sovereignty. Yeah. Because let's be honest, if you don't, Who else is gonna mm -hmm. for you, right? Well, life will take care of it. <laughs> well, life does take care of it, isn't it? And and and, and, and as I think you've, you've you've rightly identified, and we've certainly discussed on several of episodes on this podcast, if you sit by and allow life to take care of it, a tsunami is going to hit you. <laughs> it's not going to end the way you hope it's going to end because we can assume a number of roles in life, can't we? And one of them is victim. And if we assume the role of victim, then we are naturally waiting to be rescued by a savior. Yeah. Newsflash. 
you are your own savior. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> we are our own healers. We are our own rescuers. And certainly that was a big lesson for me. So Can I add something to that? Please do. Because I must say that I, tr I I'm absolutely of the same opinion. But I also think that sometimes we do need these saviors. And these saviors can be, you know, God, life, whatever you want to call it, the higher power works through these people. Because when I was at my lowest point, you know, I had I had people who helped me out for a moment, who showed me that it is not by doing something for me necessarily, but by showing me that it is possible to change, that it is possible It is possible to love life and to be abundant and prosperous internally, right? Not just money-wise, and um, and happy. I'm glad you made that distinction. Mm -hmm. I, I think the, the point is someone can either come along and rescue you or someone could enable you. Mm. I, I use the same analogy where I, I say, I'm, I will gladly plant seeds for anyone but I am not watering your garden. <laughs> I've got my own garden that needs watering and, you know, I'm pretty rubbish at looking after plants. So, <laughs> um, so there's a distinct, there's, there is a distinction to be made there. I'm glad you highlighted it. It's it, Taking con control of our own sovereignty is, is, is a real big deal. And I, and I think for many reasons, societal reasons, conditioning, we have have got to the point as a as a species where it, it's all too easy to just assume that someone else is going to take care of your shit for you yeah and and i but i, I genuinely feel that we are on a we're on a a, a wave of change right now where mm -hmm. where there's a, a rise in the collective consciousness where people are suddenly understanding their own power as creator beings again yeah. and they're stepping into that right mm -hmm. in so many different ways and and long may that reign because I, th i think that that's going to be the, the 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 difference where more and more people see a a really trying life event as mm. you did and you know you've two options haven't you why is this happening to me or what can this teach me and i think in that regard there's no doubt in my mind that every everyone we come into contact with has a lesson for us mm. yeah might not want the lesson <laughs> <laughs> might not be a pleasant flavor last night you know my interaction with the chap on the bike there was a lesson for me there mm. and i think i just managed to get away with learning it just That's just thing, isn't it? when you start opening up to seeing that and realizing that every interaction is, is that you might be to give them a little lesson or a little uh, little spark But it also it could well be they're there for you, and it's just remembering that in every and every interaction you have, and yeah. taking yeah. taking the time to kind of think, okay. And and you. every interaction, and not just interaction, of course, event. You know, mm -hmm. I, I I talk about the the idea of the Trojan horse, um, so a a bad event, and I'm doing air quotes for the people who are just listening. A, a bad event is is still a Trojan horse for something else, for a gift. We just have to, we might have to look harder. We might have to get right inside that Trojan horse to work out what it is. Um, and that's the work, isn't it? It is. I also, I just thought about something because I got really good at that. Like so good that I just saw the positive in everything. You know? <laughs> I 
it really but <laughs> i had to realize that i was bypassing bypassing my feelings so that's just on a side note mm. that it is so important to yes to 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 feel the feelings because if we're angry and frustrated about situation fine that's what it is but it's a it's a feeling in the body right we want to feel the the body feeling the body ah Lurking for response, the word. isn't it? Yeah, it's an emotional response in the body. We tend to try to think our feeling, you know, like put put them aside with our thoughts. Just, yeah. just think them away. But um, feeling them, letting them go, doesn't have to take long. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, then we can see the you can see the benefit even often very early on. But yeah, I think I'm right now on my own personal path on on the path to balance more and more, you know, like I went to the one extreme, I went to the other extreme, I was the extreme victim and then I was a hero. And now I'm like trying to find, okay, wait, where's the neutral <laughs> space in between that? Because I don't want to be a hero. That's exhausting. I don't want to be a victim. That's exhausting. Like, let's find the balance. Um, that's where I'm coming from, you know? Mm. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's good for you for, for acknowledging that you know where you are as well in, in, in the, on the journey. I think I, I, I too will swing like a pendulum and in actual fact you alluded to this earlier and I'd like to talk to you both about this because uh, it seems like the right time there are many utilities available to us tools available to us in moments like what we've just been discussing so so my situation last night with the with the chap I was carrying a lot of uh, negative energy after that. <clears throat> I was, there, was a, there was a thunder mm. cloud over my head, wasn't there? And, and Jules rightly said, you need, to, you need to shake it off. You literally need to shake it off. You know? and, and I'm sure we've talked about this on the podcast before. Have you ever noticed how two dogs have a fight? When the dogs have finished fighting, they step away from each other and they shake. They both mm. they literally shake themselves from head to toe. And uh, I, I'm sure there have been studies done on this. Uh, I, I, I can't quote it, so I, I won't talk too much about it. But it is, it is certainly perceived that they are shaking off that negative energy yeah. so as not to embody it. And it's very natural for animals to do. Not so natural for us, right? But so what, what are your go-to um, utilities then in a situation where, okay, something's happened, an event has happened... It's a let's say it's a negative event. Um, I'm going to sit with it. I'm going to observe it as a gift. I'm going to I'm going to do what I do because I'm 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 that aware now, which is brilliant. But but I still need to honour my body and I still need to remember my humanity. So what, what you mentioned kriyas earlier on? Yeah, Kundalini Yoga is definitely a big one. It it helps me to not even get into the state anymore because my emotions just. I don't know, they just flow through because the channel is open. <laughs> mm. um, if I practice every day, like yeah. that helps me a lot. But if I, if the charge, the emotional charge is too much, you know, like you have a busy day with children and work and you're just doing, doing, doing. And then something like uh, yesterday that, yeah, like happens. Road rage. Something bad happens. <laughs> um, it might be too much still, even if you practice every day. Um, I really love shaking. There's an Osho meditation that I like to do. It's 15 minutes shaking, 15 minutes dancing, 15... Wait. Yeah. 
yeah, 15 minutes dancing, 15 minutes sitting or standing meditation, and then 15 minutes just lying on your back. Um, if it's severe and I really need to let it go. Other than that, I also, what helps me personally a lot is to, to speak or to write. Even though that's not the whole body, but it is an act of doing. Mm. So what we, I, I, for me, this helps a lot. Like not, uh, like really speaking from the emotion. Connecting with the emotion, if it's anger, I ask a friend, if that person, do you mind if, if I you, shout at you? Yeah, if you if if you would he or she would witness me, because I've realized that this is something that I often want. I enjoy being witnessed in my emotion. It helps me to feel loved and held even more. I don't need it as much as I used to, because now I feel loved and held, and I feel this presence of life. It constantly it's just becoming so present now more and more because i've been pressing it for so, so long but it's still nice sometimes to um show, show that yeah no i, I i'm with you yeah, I'm, and like scream like this idiot like i don't know like a toxic relationship you know ex stories whatever just like really letting it out Let it all out yeah. and then it's okay it's enough you know yeah. we have to accept that too to like that's a space and then I close it down again and give it space inside of me, outside of me. And I come back to my center because that's what people forget. Mm. Many who do emotional release, then you attach, when you attach to that emotion, it gets more. And then it didn't serve you, right? Mm. Yeah. This is something we, we ought to talk about more on the show because it's a wonderful opportunity to give people advice as to how to shake it off, how to get rid of that energy. Mm. Emotion is energy in motion. Yeah. And if in, in many situations we can trap that energy yeah. in parts of our body, right? And of course, that's what causes dis-ease, disease. If you think most of us grew up being told to do that with your emotions it's to, it's bad to, to be down. angry it's and they use the good and the bad word so everything's got that label it's negative or positive but it's not because it's an emotion and mm. all emotion is if you're going to use the term it's technically it is good because it's part of who we are and we it's need valid to, as well isn't it we need to feel those emotions and learn also learn how to talk about them yeah i think there's so the language related to emotions is what we know of is so small in comparison to actually what there is and the range of emotions and feelings and we talk about what we think uh, the emotion is instead of talking the actual about the actual um that's what i'm when i the sensation sensation yeah. thank you yeah so and because i just had a client yesterday and we had a, an emotional release moment she couldn't she felt like she couldn't speak about something and then and then i guided her to feel to feel the emotion and she felt that she had this this deep feeling in her in her throat and in her chest which is where she she's sick and she has um she has a condition with the lungs you know so there is something there it keeps coming up it's always the same thing she cannot speak her truth and she started telling me about all these like deep layers of sensations that she was feeling going deeper and deeper into it until she knew what it was she just intuitively knew why she was feeling that and then she just blurted it all out and after that it was gone and it can be so simple though it's a continuous so what she's learning is to do that and that she actually has that ability you know she got that wasn't a trance 
I'm a hypnotist, so <laughs> she was in trance. And then feeling it, connecting with the body, releasing it, finding ways to do that alone, finding ways to do that with trusted people, and then finding ways to do that with maybe people that uh, might judge her and then actually face the resentment. But yeah, that's the process, you know, in her case. Mm. And then we'll see. And she's well. also under med, obviously. I'm not ever working with people to heal them in that way, like in the physical level. I'm helping them to learn how to accept themselves and to find deeper peace, you know, happiness. Mm. And it can happen that the person gets a lot better on, um, on an emotional and spiritual um, level and at the same time physically. But usually people um, I work with are also going through therapy like for some kind of um, medical therapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm in addition. <laughs> no, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I wanted to talk to you also about the, the uh, another aspect of your work, which is, which I'm, I'm presuming, and you can tell me if, if, if I'm wrong, that it, that it came about from, from your, your own brush with death. Uh, because you now spend time working with others who are terminally ill and, uh, and or perhaps not terminal i don't know if you you could tell us a little bit about that i'd be be quite interested to have that conversation yeah yeah for the past three years i've mostly worked with cancer patients or people who have other illnesses that can or that lead to death and at the beginning like i didn't even plan to go back to coaching i know i knew i wanted to but then um i started having this community online that kind of grew because i felt like i had something to share and we were sharing with each other and then well the first client came to me four months of transformational coaching um and i was very resistant to working with cancer patients because i went through that myself <laughs> And I was like, can I deal can I deal with this? Can I be neutral enough? Can I did I do enough work internally to to um hold that space? And I just thought, okay, let's let's try. And I tried and and it's been such a rewarding work because I've learned so much about myself too while I was holding that space. And I've faced death so often. Like I've, I just have goosebumps all over my body right now because, um, well, I've accompanied also a lot of people to their deathbed. And um, at the beginning, it broke me. <laughs> mm. It really broke me um, because I was very attached. And then I learned to stay in a compassionate space and to really accept death as a part of life, as an important part of life, and also to see that the death of that one person, even if it might be, it might, might feel like it's way too early for somebody who's 26, when who has children, you know, to die and the whole family will be affected, to see the whole family system and to see how much healing there was. There, because when people die, it often brings others together. Ain't that the truth? Yeah. And uh, as I said, like, I was just goosebumps all the time because it's so difficult to speak about death because I know that many people um, are very afraid of death mm. and see it as the worst thing that can happen. Not, But there are cultures who see it differently, even Balinese culture. Or I lived in Mexico for a while, you know, 
they celebrate death. We have a lot of deaths also in life, right? Little deaths. Um, yeah, now, now when somebody dies, I am sad, I have emotions, I'm human, <laughs> but I wish them well. And I know that, I just deeply know that this is what needed to happen now. It mm. is a part of everything. And I played a part in make maybe making that person's life a little bit better or not me making it, but helping that person to find some more peace, some more happiness, accept their life path, accept also when, you know, I had a lot of people who were regretting how they dealt with their body, how they, like I, you know, like I sometimes have, I'm like, why did I do this to myself? But yeah, I didn't know better. I just didn't at that time. I wasn't ready. It was a part of my path. If I wouldn't have treated myself badly first for a while, I would not understand other people who did that. Mm. And now I do. Well, so, also you wouldn't be the version of you yeah. that you are now. Exactly. And if I die now, if I die next week, I will die happy. I will. And but I don't. I'm not ready to die. <laughs> Me neither. I want to live. <laughs> so the thing is, um, all these clients. There were a lot. There were a lot that were able to accept that they were dying, but there were also some who were not, mm. and who were really fighting with life mm. and with everything that happened to them. That was that was very sad for me. You know, but we we all are on our own path, and this is something. If you believe that you come back, you know, something that we can resolve in the next life. Life, but uh, but yeah, it's um, it's still like this work is um, brings up a lot of emotions, and I don't want to be cold. I want to live with an open heart, so I allow that. I allow the emotions to come through, and uh, if I work with people four months one on one, you can imagine how deep it goes. In hypnosis, you know, I look into the subconscious mind of this person. I go with them there. I, I, I l probably get as deep as, yeah, not many people go as deep with with people, you know. Yeah, you're you're. I know you're under their yeah. subconscious, unconscious, aren't you? So, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I suppose, yeah, I can't imagine what that would be like to then, to get to know someone on that level and to 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 build that kind of trusting relationship. And then for them to die, yeah, and, many and died, you're and you're preparing for it as well, right? It's a yeah, like 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 uh, I would say, maybe forty percent of my clients are dead. Some of them were friends that I went through cancer therapy with, and yeah, it's just it's a path of acceptance every time. Also, that we are here to accompany each other through. Sometimes we don't have to attach and feel like we always have to be together. It is, it's just a part of life and I wish them well and I, I'm grateful. I'm very, very, very grateful that I got to experience this and especially the people that in the end accepted life deeply with death as a part of it. It is, there is nothing more inspiring than that. Mm. Really, like working with a person or knowing a person that accepts death really mm. deeply 
and lives life in that way, there's, it's, it's so deep, you know. It also sounds like a very beautiful experience to be a part of the end of someone's life as they're transitioning. You know, we put a lot of focus, of course, onto birth. Like, you know, when it comes to death, it's sort of, it's very taboo. And we, we put it around the corner because yeah. we think, oh, I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to talk about it. But actually to give somebody that support and to be with them and, and work through things during that transition, it to me seems like something very beautiful to be able to share, but also what a gift. Mm, okay. no, I'm, I'm great. And I can only do that because I faced it myself. Mm. And, um, but on the, on the other hand, you know, it's, my work has changed a lot, and in the last year, in the last year, um, I've been focusing a lot more on life, and maybe also because in me a lot of things changed, and I really chose to, yeah, you know, to to come here on my own and to make all of these, let's say, brave choices. that <laughs> took a lot for me. The stories and uh, my story, it it is it is changing, evolving, and. And yeah, the clients that I have now are very different also. Like I haven't had a client that is dying in six months, I think. Yeah, six months. I mean, just recently two clients have died, but it's um, it's a part of it. It's a part of the last years. And my clients now, they they are in the middle of life. And that's beautiful too. It's... It's it's beautiful. It's a very different work, um, but I I must say that the work that I did with the clients that were dying <laughs> gave me so much insights into life because we looked into death so deeply that that now I understand life uh, very differently and I feel like better. <laughs> really, like I understand it better, and that's why it, it's it's uh, it's fun to now look at the different I can, yeah, different clients. I can well imagine. I, it's well, obviously, the podcast called "How to Die Happy." So, <laughs> the the point and and the original point and purpose of this this podcast was to discuss and try to address the deathbed regrets. Mm. I'm writing a book also called How to Die Happy. And uh, I, I've obviously had to spend a, a great deal of time examining our relationship with death in, in that book. And, uh, and of course, as you already alluded, depending on where you are in the world, we have very different relationships. In the West, I think we have a, 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 a much more perverse relationship with death. And it is, as, as Jules said, you know, we, we don't want to talk about it. It's a taboo. You know, in the UK, if you start talking about death, if we were having a conversation like this, it wouldn't be unusual for someone to say, why are you talking about death? It's so morbid. <laughs> you know, morbid, the word is, the definition really is about an unhealthy relationship with death. But then also who defines what's healthy and unhealthy? For me, it's incredibly healthy to always have an eye on the, the, the fact that we are not going to be here forever. Mm. Um, and there's a, and a beautiful book called The Tibetan Book of Living and Dying by um, uh, Sogyal Rinpoche. And, and that talks, is obviously inspired by The Tibetan Book of the Dead. But that talks in, in great detail about how we might wish to consider reframing everything we view about life and death so that every day 
we are prepared for death. And it's really, it, it, this is where all of these things that we've been talking about all come back into play. It's a wonderful cosmic soup um, because actually it's about being mindful. It's about the power of now. It's about uh, the present, living in the present moment and having that awareness to, and gratitude, you used the word gratitude earlier on, just to be able to sit here on this terrace you know, with the scytherism of the wind blowing through the trees right now and all these species of birds and just to be able to, you know, breathe that in with this immense sense of gratitude. It's really odd little things like that that make all the difference, isn't it? Yeah. Because next time I might be driving down the street and the guy on the scooter does his thing and I swerve and I hit a lamppost and that's the end of me. Uh, which would suck, but I don't, I, 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 like you, I'm ready to die. So if you told me I had five minutes left to live right now, I wouldn't have a list, a long list of regrets. I would have a long list of things that I was immensely grateful for. Mm. And I would spend those five minutes feeling that gratitude. And, and that's probably one of the things I want for this, for the, for the listeners of this podcast. I have something that's coming through <laughs> because for me, this is like when we die, I really believe that dying in a higher state of consciousness, like gratitude or happiness or bliss, that, 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 that is actually what heaven means. You know, like we go to heaven if we, if we can be in that space, if we let go of the regrets in life and find peace. Mm. And the opposite, you know. <laughs> but mm. I really believe really that the this concept of hell and heaven, that it's it's about that. To 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 to, to be in that in that space. And the more we are in that space in life, we can experience heaven on earth here. We can mm. be in trans states, trans theta states, you know, trans states, feel the bliss, feel the and it, it's not about bliss not meaning being high in ecstasy, but really being at peace and um, acting from that space because then we can only create peaceful things and not more of what we already have, <laughs> you know, coming from anger, fear, stress. Mm. Mm. Yeah, mm. trusting more, mm. trusting more in, in life and ourselves and creating from peace. Yeah, yeah it's beautiful. It's, uh, it's a dance, isn't it? Yeah. And I think I've, as we've identified in the last hour and something or other, it's, we're not necessarily always at peace. Yeah. But I think it's, the, it's having the ability to, and the tools, as we've discussed, to recenter, to bring yourself back to that place and say, oh, okay, hang on a minute, I was just really human for a moment there. <laughs> what I did last night, I actually stepped away because you stepped in and, and calmly said, right, okay, calm down, you calm down, you calm down. You're obviously in shock. He starts shouting at her. She says, look, no, just to be clear, you are you were riding your bike like a dick. <laughs> but it was in a very, I, like I was in a very calm, like... Confident. Yeah. Calm down, calm down, and, breathe. And, and, and we did nearly kill you, and it would have been your fault. But I understand that you're in shock. And while she's having this calm word with him, I just, w I just stepped away and just took a breath, you know, like a real conscious breath. And it, it was that moment where I was suddenly back in control. 
it's Eckhart Tolle who, mm. who says um, one conscious breath is a meditation and, uh, and we talk about meditation a lot on this mm. show actually it's a wonderful reminder a, a literal reminder um, of how just taking that one deep breath can completely and utterly reframe mm. you where you are the scenario and what you are about to do yeah. and, and gives you the power of choice yeah. again yeah totally but through using a, a, a tool so what advice do you have for on the one hand someone who has been told they have a, a real bad illness and on the other hand someone who hasn't been told that and as a result perhaps isn't living as though they might die tomorrow mm. Mm. I think it's the same for both <laughs> it's to be <clears throat> it's to really be truthful to yourself because everything in life starts with being honest with yourself truly 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 honest and okay one more thing for the people who get a diagnosis it can be a success story <laughs> it, it doesn't have to be waking up in the morning being depressed being frustrated and be suffering the whole day all the time it doesn't have to be that but it is a choice making the choice because that is something somebody told me at the very beginning, somebody told me, hey, but you don't have to suffer. <laughs> it's just so simple. And I sat there, I was like, oh, I don't have to suffer. I don't, oh, Why yeah. didn't somebody tell me this that before? No, but really, I understood what she meant, you know, because, yeah, although it's super hard, it is super hard. I don't have to suffer. If I, suffer, if I choose to suffer, I will just stay and continue being the victim. But I can have beautiful times and, you know, Chemotherapy is not every day. And I had, I would say, as normally, I had 80% really beautiful times and 20% were very difficult. And that is not, that is life. Mm -hmm. No matter if you have chemo or, you know, like it doesn't matter. And if, I think when we make ourselves victim um, or we want, we suffer, it's also because there is a desire that wants to be fulfilled, the intention. So look for the intention. <laughs> Look for the intention. What do you get out of it? And then give it to you. Or ask people to give it to you. If you want more attention, if you want more love, find it. If you feel lost and you cannot find it, start giving it to others. It will come back to you. Mm. But don't stop and feel like you have to suffer because everything, every situation in life can be changed. I truly believe that. By now, I went through so many difficulties. 30 years of my life it's possible it's possible don't get stuck look at other people that are happy and follow follow that's great Thank advice you. and i think it's the it's the thing we ought to constantly remind people is that, that, that nothing will ever stay the same to the everything will change and things can get better and, it, and it's about degrees of getting better isn't it and it's about your perception of what better is um, yeah, it's about acceptance. I agree. Mm. Yeah. 
Thanks, Tatiana. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for having me and for this beautiful conversation. <laughs> it's it's very enlightening and I inspiring. Very much, very much enjoyed hearing your stories and, and hopefully our audience will, will see it for what it is. And some great utilities for our audience as well. Yeah, so. and we like, the, we like to do that. We like to, <laughs> we like to throw that into the melting pot. But uh, no, I, I'm, I, I think uh, your story is a, a truly inspirational one. So thanks for coming on the show and talking about it. Thank you. Mm, thank you, love. Thank you.